Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. All right, go with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is wild, okay? It is crazy. You see crazy, miraculous moves of God. You see crazy, dumb people doing stupid stuff all the time. Wild stories of betrayal and sex and all kinds of craziness. The Old Testament is wild, but God's been speaking to me, and so I'm excited to share with you what he's showing me. All right, chapter 17. I'm gonna read verse one through 24. It's a lot of verses, okay? Please don't check out on me. If you don't have a Bible, you can see it on the screen, but just bear with me. I promise you there's really good stuff here, and then we're gonna, we're gonna break it down, okay? Verse one. Now, Elijah told King Ahab, Surely as the Lord God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain for the next few years until I give the word. So he's telling the king, a terrible king, by the way, okay? First king is just a story of king after king after king who made decisions to do what they wanted instead of following the Lord and being faithful to the Lord and being obedient to the Lord. And so, now there's this drought that's coming, and he gives him the word. Verse two, the Lord says through Elijah, go east and hide at the Kirith Brook. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I've commanded them to bring you food. Elijah did as the Lord told and camped beside the brook. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and each evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rain anywhere in the land. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the village of Zerapath. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zerapath. And after, as he arrived to the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little cup of water? As she was going to get it, he called her, bring me a bright, a bright. It's hard, a lot of bees here. Bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God. She's making it a point right here. She's saying, I don't believe in your God. I don't have hope in your God. I don't have trust in your God. But I swear by your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I only have a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil at the bottom of a jug. I was gathering a few sticks to sticks to cook a meal, the last meal, then my son and I will die. This is a sad situation, okay? Verse 13, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just as I said and make a little bread for me first. Okay, we're gonna come back to this. This is important. Make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is the word of the Lord. God of Israel says, there will be always enough flour and oil left in the containers until the time the Lord sends rain and again and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said. And Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and oil left in the containers just as the Lord promised. Verse 17, sometime later, the woman's son became sick and he grew worse and worse and finally he died. Then he, she said to Elijah, oh man of God, why have you done this to me? 
Have you come here to point out my sin and to kill my son? Isn't it interesting that she connects that her son dies to God, that somehow this is God's will? See, this is always what happens. We think sickness comes and we think it's a punishment for God for something we've done. This is exactly what she just said. She said, did you come to point out my sin and my failures and because of my sin and my failures, now my son is sick and he died? And we get this so mixed up and we get this so backwards. This is not God, this is not his nature. This is the enemy. We live in a fallen world that's here to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? Okay. Elijah said, give me your son. He took the child's body in his arms and carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying. He laid the body in the bed. Then the Lord, then Elijah cried out to the Lord, why have you brought tragedy on this widow who has opened up her home and causing her son to die? He stretched himself over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, oh Lord, please God, let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard his prayer and the life of the child returned and he was revived. Okay. Woo, a lot of words right there, a lot of scripture. All right, so we got a story of what? Two desperate people, right? Two desperate people, two different people, okay? Elijah, first of all, he has to bring bad news to the king, right? Now, I wouldn't wanna be that person, you know? If the Lord told me to bring you a report of something bad and horrible, that, I would be like, God, please, God, please don't use me. Use, you know, use Billy down the street, you know what I mean? Like, use anybody but me. So he's got to bring this bad report to the king. There's going to be this drought. There's going to be this famine. There's no, it's going to be no rain, okay? After that, the Lord instructs him he's got to run and hide for his life because the king's bad, right? The king wants to destroy the bad report. He wants to destroy him. So now he's running. He's on the run, okay? He's on the run, hiding for his life. Then the Lord says, hey, I'm gonna feed you, I'm gonna take care of you. The ravens are gonna come and bring you something to eat every day. Now, when we think about this, okay, we think that somehow there is perfect, like hot, fresh bread from like Texas Roadhouse, okay, arriving on the back of the raven, right? Hot, fresh, you know, with the cinnamon butter, you know what I mean, that he's eating, you know, this kind of bread, right? And that there's these perfectly sliced meats that are just on, you know, on the bill of the raven, right, okay? And this is how he was fed by the brook, right? This is, this is how we think about it. Let me tell you the truth. What would happen is the ravens would have ate the bread and ate the meat, flown to him, and then threw it back up in front of him for him to eat. This is what was going on. This is a desperate time. Yeah, this yeah, disgusting. I know, Sydney's like, why do I come to this church? He's talking about horrible things, okay? Listen, now he's with a widow. She can't provide for herself, let alone anybody else. So we got a desperate story here. Then we have the widow. Her husband's dead. And at this time, in this place, for her, there was no way for her to provide for herself. That was the job of her husband. Her husband's gone. And now she's living through a drought and a famine. They're about to die, and then her son actually dies. We're talking about a desperate story. We're talking about what? A desperate time. What do desperate times demand? Desperate faith. 
desperate faith. You're going to have to learn to grow because, listen, I'm going to tell you, unfortunately, I, I would love to tell you that all of your days are full of just, you know, beautiful sunny days and rainbows and God's favor and blessing and bonuses and raises and just everything works and your children perfectly listen to you. You know what I mean? I, I, I wish I could tell you that. But the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust, meaning that there's going to be ups and downs. And there's going to be some seasons where you're in a desperate season. I've been in many desperate seasons, many desperate times. And it always demands what? That you enter into a new level of faith. Okay? You're going to have to grow in faith. You're going to have to grow in the kingdom of God. You're going to have to grow up in the things of God. It demands desperate faith. All right. Point number one today is this. Dried up. Dried up. Verse 7. After a while, the brook dried up, and there was no rainfall in the land. Meaning what? There's no water. It dried up. And, and how the source of how he was receiving water just vanished, right? Now, this happens in our life all the time, right? You have a job. It's meeting your needs. It's blessing your family. And all of a sudden, the company downsizes and what? Vanish. You don't have a job. Happens all the time. Or how about this? The stock market was flying high, and then the next day it crashes to the ground, and you look at your 401k, and you're like, where did all my money go? Or you had a income revenue stream that was kind of providing some extra things on the side for you, and all of a sudden, like, it vanished. It just it disappeared out of nowhere, right? Or, or maybe, maybe you're in a season, and every married person is going to understand what I'm saying here, you love your spouse, you're committed to your spouse, but your marriage feels dry, and it feels empty, and it just feels like you're one of those dry seasons in your marriage. Or maybe, maybe the way that you found joy no longer works, maybe you've lost passion, maybe your health has changed. All you know is this, is that something has dried up. Now, I had a, a season, I've had lots of seasons like this. I'm not going to say I've had one season, I've had lots of seasons like this. I had a season like this when I was a youth pastor in Michigan, and I ran this great thing called Enfuego. Look at this thing, okay? Look at that beautiful shirt, shorts that are like five times bigger than me right there, okay? And uh, I loved Enfuego. We, let me show some pictures. This was one of our youth nights. We called it Pack the House. We had kids bring their friends that got saved. Jess has been leading worship for a billion years, okay? Still leading worship, okay? This was uh, a day we had, it's called Pumpkin Bowls, a flag football tournament we would have every year. Kids would be super excited. This was just a Sunday night service. It was awesome. Like hundreds of kids. Now, uh, let me point out something. I was rocking Jordans as a pastor before rocking Jordans as a pastor was a thing, just so you all know, okay? So nobody ever called me out on this, okay? All right? We started with 15 kids, 15. It grew to over, I think it was 600 and something kids that we had one point. It was awesome. I loved it. It was my passion. I enjoyed it. 
It was never a burden to me. Me and Jess loved our students. We loved those kids. It was never a stepping stone for us. I remember one time our pastors brought us in the office and they were like, hey, what do you want to do five years from now? I was like, what I'm doing right now. I loved it. I loved what God was doing. It was such a special moment. One of my favorite things that have happened out of that season and time is that we have over 100 students, ex-students that are in full-time ministry around the world. We got kids that work at Elevation Church for Stephen Furtick. We got kids that work at Gateway Church. We got kids that work at Hillsong. And then we have kids that are working at churches you've never heard of. It was such a special moment. It was a God-ordained moment. And I remember we went to camp. This was the last camp that I ever had. I think it was, oh man, it was like year eight or nine of camp. We loved camp, man. We'd take 500 plus kids to camp and they were just special moments. There's something special when you put your life on pause. There's something special when you tell God, God, I'm gonna take my life and I'm gonna put it on pause, and I'm gonna give you some special time to speak to me. And God would move, and God would do miracles. I remember, I remember a girl, she had a broken ankle. Her ankle got healed at camp in the middle of worship, and she started jumping around and dancing. It was totally healed. Man, like God would fill people with the Holy Spirit. God would give kids dreams and visions. Like camp was just amazing and special. And I remember I came home from camp, and I was exhausted in a way I'd never been exhausted before. Because I was always tired after camp. But I would always come back with this like energy about where we were going in the next season that God had for in Fuego and, and what was gonna happen in the student's life. But this time I came back and there was nothing. I felt nothing. And I had no vision. And I was exhausted. And I was like, God, what is going on? And I remember the, the weeks after camp, it was like the grace was just not there any longer. Like things just felt dry and they felt hard. And I remember I asked the Lord, I went to prayer and I said, Lord, what is going on? He said, I got a new season for you. The, the provision, the grace, the anointing in this season, it's coming to an end. Not because I'm mad at you, because I got a new season for you. Now, listen, when things in our life dry up, typically what happens is we get into a season where we get what? We get fearful when things dry up. We start thinking, what will I do? What will we do? Where will we go as a family? We get into things like anxiety, like how will I provide? How will I take care of my family? I mean, like this is the way that I provided for my family. Now what, we're, what are we gonna do? You start questioning your abilities. Start questioning, well, am I, am I supposed to be a pastor? You know, I was a youth pastor, and now what am I supposed to do? And who am I? And, and, and what am I now? And we get, in this real foggy place. You know what I'm talking, anybody know what I'm talking about right now? Okay, like life gets foggy, you can't figure out what's up or down, or you, you know, you get into this place where you get everything is negative. Your future's negative, current situation's negative, 
your outlook's negative, your perspective's out, it's just negative, negative, negative. And so what we do instead, because here's the deal, what you think will make you happy in this season and what will actually make you happy in this season are two totally different things. They're different things. So we think, okay, what will make me happy right now? Right, because things are drying up, things are changing, I've lost some things, there's no more provision, right? Because when the, when the brook dried up, there was no more provision for him, right? So when, when things dry up, what we do, typically we go, I'm gonna run to some hobbies right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna run to some sports right now. I'm gonna run to some social media, I'm gonna run to some substance, or I'll, I'll work harder, or things like, this is, this is something that I know I do, I'll start cleaning. <laughs> Anybody else clean? Yeah? Somebody said, I rebuke you in Jesus' name in first service. Okay? I, I start cleaning, or how about this? I'll get everybody on this. You run the food, right? You're like, I need 14 gallons of you know, cookie dough ice cream right now, pronto, right? I need some cake and some cookies, right? We run into some things. Why? Because we think, we think what? I'm not in control over here, but this I can actually be in control of, right? And we think this, this will make me happy, this will satisfy my soul, this will help me get to the next season, and it's all lies. Look at your neighbor and say, put the cake down, okay? Just say, put the cake down, okay? Put the cake down. So what will actually make you happy? I'm gonna show you right here, the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. What is the word of the Lord? It's God's next step. It's God's next step. Why does God walk with you through the valley that is dark? So that he can illuminate the next step. Oh, I should have got a big amen right there, okay? So he can show you. I'm gonna tell you something right now. God will never show you the entire plan. He'll never show you the entire picture. Why? Because he wants you to learn how to walk in faith and trust him. So what you need is the next step. Okay, so I'll show you this. What was the next step for him? Verse nine, go live in Zerapath. I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So when you go to the Lord, so I went to prayer and I said, Lord, what is your next step for me? If this season is coming to an end, if this season is over, because this is what the Lord told me. I have it in a journal to this day. It's packed away. I have it in a journal. The Lord spoke to me and said this, I am killing PJ. Because that's who I was at Valley. Because we had Pastor Jeff, and I was Pastor Jeff, so everybody called me PJ. Like, people didn't even know my name. They just knew me as PJ, okay? But he said to me, I'm killing PJ because I got a new season for you. Those are, those are deep words from the Lord. Why, why was he killing PJ? Because all my identity was in PJ. Right? My identity was in my job. My identity is in what I did. And God said, I don't want your identity to be in your job any, any longer or what you did. I want your identity to be in me. So I had to ask the Lord, Lord, what is the next step? And the Lord gave me the next step. He said, you're gonna go to Dayton and you're gonna go work for Pastor Pat and you're gonna help them grow their church. And you know what happens when the next step comes? 
you hear the Lord, you're full of joy. You know why you're full of joy? Because you're like, thank God that you know what you're doing, Lord. Thank God that you have a plan. Thank God that you know where my life is headed. Joy comes, you know what else comes? Hope comes. Hope is restored. You see life through a different lens. You start seeing it through hope instead of negativity. And then what happens, peace comes. So instead of staying up all night, instead of worrying all night, instead of not sleeping all night, all of a sudden you can go to sleep because you know you have a peace in your mind and your soul. God is for me. He's not against me. He's with me. He's gonna take me to the other side, right? And then what happens? God's grace comes. For what? Not the season you're in, for the next season, right? Because when God speaks, Remember, when the Lord spoke in the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, what happened? When he spoke, things were created, things happened. Why? Because there's authority in his voice. There's also what? Provision in his voice. So when he told me I was going to work for Pastor Pat, Pastor Pat didn't know at that time. I remember I went to Pastor Pat and I said, hey, the Lord told me to come work for you. He said, well, let me think about it. Let me pray about it. And he prayed about it for like five months. I'm like, can we hurry this process up? Like, God already spoke to me about this. But Pastor Pat didn't know. But God knew, and God knew that he would provide provision for me and my family in that season with his spoken word. Amen? Okay, point number two, bottom of the jug, okay? Let me ask a question. How many of you love PB&J? P, B, and J, yes, yes, some fans in the house, okay. Now, let me talk about peanut butter for a second, okay? When I make peanut butter and jelly, I'm not making it with crunchy peanut butter, okay? I don't want any of that crunchy peanut butter, and I especially, especially don't want that all-natural, healthy peanut butter that there's like a pound of oil at the top, and you gotta mix it together for 14 years and make it all work together, no, 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 no. I'm talking about peanut butter. I'm talking about like a, like a can, a jar of Jif peanut butter or Peter Pan peanut butter, okay? The stuff that's terrible for you, okay? That's kind of peanut butter I'm talking about, okay? So when I was growing up, we had a rule in the house. If you don't like dinner, there is one option and one option only, and it's make peanut butter and jelly. So needless to say, I made a lot of peanut butter and jelly in my day growing up, okay? Now, to me, there is nothing like cracking open a fresh jar of Jif peanut butter. Nobody has touched it. You know what I mean? You pull that thing back, you smell it, right? And I'm like a little weird, okay? So I smell it, okay? And I'm like, I get the first, right? I get the first. That, that's such a great feeling, okay? But there's nothing worse than grabbing the jar of peanut butter and you know as soon as you grab it, it is the bottom of the barrel, right? It is the bottom of the jar, right? And so you are going to think, I, I gotta scrape out what? I gotta scrape out just the bottom of it. I gotta get just the little bit at the bottom. So it's like you stick your hand in there with your knife, and all of a sudden, you're like Winnie the Pooh when he sticks his hand into the honey jar, and it's full of honey, and he's like licking his hand. Now you're sticking your hand in the peanut butter, and you pull it out, and you're like, oh, I guess I gotta lick my hand, you know what I mean? Like, I gotta get this peanut butter off my hand, right? There's nothing worse than the bottom. 
You're scraping. You're hoping for something. Let me share this with you. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Jesus told his disciples, let me make this real to you today. He was talking to his disciples then, but he's talking to his disciples today. That's you and me here today and anybody online. You're his disciples. You're followers. He's talking. He says, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So first thing I want you to see here is this. You're God's plan to show your family, your friends, your coworkers, your children, your grandchildren, the earth, who Jesus is. You're God's plan. And you will stand before him someday and give an account on how you use your life, your resources, your time to show people Jesus. Now for me, that's an exciting day. Because I know what the word says. The word says that he is a rewarder. So I know there's a bunch of rewards for me in heaven. I'm excited about that day. I've spent my whole, you know, most, a majority of my life serving Jesus, helping people find him, know him. Okay, so we're gonna give an account, but here, here's the thing that I, I want you to see today. How are you supposed to show people Jesus when you're scraping the bottom of the barrel of life? How? How are you supposed to show people Jesus when you're scraping the bottom financially? You're just surviving financially? There's not a morsel left over. You're, you're just hoping somehow to make it from the next check to the next check. How are you supposed to meet other people's needs when you can't meet your own needs? How are you supposed to take care of other people's marriages when you're scraping the bottom of your own marriage? You're emotionally spent all the time. And now anybody else that gets close to you and goes, man, we're really struggling in our marriage, you just go, yeah, I know, it's the worst. Instead of going, no, no, I got the answer. Because you're scraping. How, how are you, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel of joy, right? It's like this idea, it's like, oh God, if the Bengals win today, I'll have a little bit of joy this upcoming week. Well, what if they lose? What does your week look like? What does your day look like? You're scraping the bottom of the barrel of hope. You're just hoping that you can get past the season you're in now to get to the next season because you don't enjoy this season. I remember feeling this way with little kids all the time. They're tough. They're hard. They're the worst sometimes. Amen? And if you're not saying amen, you don't have little children, okay? And all I could think about was, I can't wait to get to the next seasons. Well, guess what? I'm in the next season. My oldest son is playing the guitar and the bass and singing songs, and he's turning 18 years old, and he's about to move on with his life. And I'm thinking, where did the time go? You're scraping the bottom for peace. You have no peace, because you never learned how to have self-control. Your life's out of order. So how are you supposed 
to reach the world if we're just scraping the bottom all the time. Look at your neighbor and say, God's got better. Okay? God's got better. No, you gotta say that with some passion. Say, God's got better. Okay, God's got better. Listen, this is not, this is not God's will for you to scrape the bottom. It was never the will of the Lord for her to scrape the bottom. See, when the word of the Lord came and she chose to be obedient to the word of the Lord, she had supply that ran over and over and over day by day by day. But you're gonna have to walk in what? Desperate faith. Let me show you this, verse 10. So he went to Zerapath. When he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he said, will you please bring me a little cup of water? In the middle of a drought, right? He's asking this woman for water. As she went to get it, he called her, bring me a bite of bread too. She answers, I swear by the Lord, your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, right? She's like, I got nothing. All I have is a handful of flour and a little cooking oil at the bottom of the jug. We're gonna make a meal, and when we're done, we're gonna die. What a desperate situation. But Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do as you said, but make a little bread for what? For me first. <laughs> Listen, can I say this? God's plans never make sense. If, if, you, if you're hoping that at some point it's always gonna be two plus equals four with God, it's never gonna work. God's plans don't make sense. Did you just see what happened? Elijah asked a poor woman with no husband and no money in a huge mess that is about to die to serve him first. This is insanity. What's he doing? He's pointing her to God. She thinks her source is in the jug. She thinks her source is what's in her containers. Elijah's going, that's not your source. My God is the source, but you're gonna have to learn how to follow him and be obedient to him. Listen, this happens all the time. People come to me and they go, Pastor Jeff, we're broke. Will you meet with us? Yeah, I'll meet with you. I'd love to meet with you. We were broke at one point. I mean, we were broke, broke. I mean, lights turned off broke. Water turned off broke. Hoping broke. Praying broke. We were broke, broke, broke people. So when people come to you and go, I want to meet, I go, yeah, I would love to meet with you. We understand. So they come and they meet with you and they talk. And by the time they're done, they're sobbing and they're crying. Why are they sobbing and crying? Because they're broke. And if you're broke, you're in a desperate situation. So after I get done crying, I'll always ask two questions. And the first question is this. Are you giving to the Lord first? First. He gets the first. He's the first of all things. 
right? So every time I get paid, I make a choice. Is he first? Is he my source? Or is my job my source? Or is my ability my source? Is what I have my source? Or is he first? So I'll go, hey, are you giving to the Lord first? And then the second question is, how much debt do you have? Because you'll always be a slave if you're running in debt. And here's what happens. It's happened so many times. They'll look back at me with these eyes, and the eyes are saying this, how dare you ask me that? I just told you we're broke. I just told you we have nothing, right? Her response, her response would, could have been, how dare you ask me for a cup of water? How dare you ask me to make some bread for you first? How dare you? We only have a little bit left and we're gonna die. How dare you ask me this? But you know what the Bible says? She did what he said. So people look at me like, how dare you ask me this? And I'll look back at them with these eyes and I'll be saying this. How desperate are you? Are you desperate enough to follow God's plan? Because your plan certainly isn't working. Your ways, your agenda, what you had in mind, it's broken and it's not working. And I promise you, if you'll trust the Lord and honor him and follow his ways and how he views finances, it will all be healed. Amen? And that's anything in your life. How desperate are you in your marriage? How desperate are you for the next step? How desperate are you to go, God, I'm done with my way. I'm done with my perspective. I'm done with how I do it. God, I'm willing to do it your way now. Amen? Oh my gosh. Great word, Pastor Jeff. So good. Ray, you can come on up. Point number three, dead things back to life. Dead things back, back to life. Uh, this last week, the Chicago Bears, I'm from Chicago, I love the Bears. They, uh, they hired a new CEO president, Kevin Warren. He, uh, he was the commissioner of the Big Ten for the last, I think, four or five years. Did a really, really great job of the Big Ten, um, expanded the Big Ten, got multimedia deals, brought tons of capital and money into the Big Ten. He's a big deal. Smart guy. He's worried. And he, I, the thing I love about his story is um, he, uh, he like sacrificed everything to trust the Lord. He had this great job, and he, and he quit his job to start his own sports agency firm out of uh, his wife's office closet. <laughs> Started from the ground up. It's just a tremendous story. And um, the other thing I like about him is he's just, he's a, he's a believer and he, he trusts the Lord and he talks about it all the time. And so I wanted to hear his press conference because he's the new Bears CEO and president. And, and so I, I listened to the press conference and there was a question. I thought this was a really, really great question. The question was this. Talk about the hard times the Bears have had in the last few seasons. So what's the question? Talk about how the Bears have failed. Talk about how they haven't made the playoffs. Talk about how you're the worst team in the league, you got the number one pick. Talk about these, you know, 
you know, seasons of not winning, talk about how a culture needs to change, talk about these hard times. That's what they're asking, talk about these hard times. And he answered, I never, I love this. I love when things start, I never. We have a lot of I nevers in our house. Our middle son, Ben, he was going to um, speak, not, not a message at youth, but kind of exhort after worship. And he was planning for it. And he was talking about how nervous he was and how much anxiety he had and how fearful he was to do this at youth. But we know that God has anointed him to do this in his future someday, so we're starting in youth. And so I had a conversation with him. I said, here's the deal. We never speak words of death over us like that. We speak words of life. You're anointed to do this. God has chosen you to do this. God's grace will abound to you. You are not nervous. You are not full of fear. You're not full of worry, anxiety. You are full of life. You are full of joy. You are full of hope. And he got up a Sunday or two ago and he did a great job. Little 13-year-old, loving Jesus, sharing about Jesus. So Kevin starts this response. He says, I never, never look at hard times through a negative perspective. I was like, that's somebody that follows Jesus. I know that voice. I know that perspective. I never look at hard times through a negative perspective. He said what? I choose to see them as an opportunity. See, the moment you choose, because that's what faith is, you're gonna have to choose faith. You're gonna have to choose wild, obedient, desperate faith. The moment you choose to make sure that your words don't curse your season you're in right now, right? Lord, I thank you that I have a job, when you don't have a job. Lord, I thank you that you're gonna increase me in a way to meet all of my needs according to your great riches and glory. God, I thank you that my marriage is fresh and it's live and it's whole and it's beautiful. God, I thank you for this season with my children. I thank you you've given me this season to grow them, to mentor them, to show them you, to love them, to hug them. God, I thank you, God, for this season. When you align your words, when you choose to walk in desperate faith and go, God, I know the current situation, but my words are gonna align with what heaven says. When you choose your attitude, the joy of the Lord is my strength today. <laughs> I had this thought the other day. All December, all I preached about was how 23 was gonna be the greatest, the greatest year ever. And I still believe it's gonna be the greatest year ever. But all I know is that the last, I think, three weeks of 23 have been the most challenging three weeks I've had in a long time. You know what I did? I walked in here and I said, Lord, I thank you that your joy is my strength. I thank you, God, that you're for me and you're not against me. I thank you, God, that I'm the head and not the tail. I thank you, God, that you're with me and you're gonna lead me through this and it's gonna be the best year of my life. It's gonna be the church's best year. When you choose to change your attitude, when you choose 
to say, I have hope where there's no hope. When you choose to go, my strength doesn't come from my circumstance. My strength comes because I have confidence in the Lord that he's taking me to the other side. When you choose, when you choose to go, your grace and your peace, God, I'm gonna keep my eyes on you. What happened? Dead things come back to life. Elijah prays over him, verse 22. And can I encourage you? When you're in desperate seasons, pray a lot. I mean, pray a lot. I mean, pray and then pray. People talk about doing two, three workouts a day. Do two or three spiritual workouts a day. Pray and pray and pray. And don't pray wimpy prayers like, God, I hope if it's your will that you would do this for me. Know God's word. Pray God's word and go, God, I know it's your will. You told me to go to the, to the nations. You told me to go disciple people. But God, I can't disciple people if I'm reaching at the bottom of the barrel. God, I need you to fill my cup. I need you to make me the head and not the tail so that you can trust me to go reach the nations. Pray desperate prayers. He prays, God, return life to this child. What does God do? He resurrects something that's dead and he brings it back to life. You're gonna have to have desperate faith sometimes. You're gonna have to press into the Lord when it doesn't make sense. You're gonna have to ask the Lord for his wisdom and thoughts because they're different than yours. They're different than yours. But I guarantee you this, his thoughts, his wisdom, they're blessed. Why don't you stand up this morning? you close your eyes I want to pray for you if any of today made sense to you or you felt God just pushing tugging on your heart just raise your hands to heaven just raise your hands to heaven okay Lord we thank you in the name of Jesus for your people and God I release joy to them I release hope to them I release your grace to them we declare that they are the head because of what you accomplish on Calvary we declare that you will resurrect dead things back to life. We declare that you are a God of wisdom and hope. And so, Lord, we ask that you would give them the next step, that you would speak to them about their future, speak to them about their finances, their children, their hope, their future. God, speak to them. We thank you, God, that you're not a God of confusion. The Lord, the word says, if we knock, you'll answer and you'll reveal. So, God, speak to them. Give them the next step. But God, I pray, God, that you would encourage them, infuse them with grace to walk in obedience, desperate obedience to you, to your plan. Lord, I bless your people. I bless their homes. I bless their children. I bless their finances. We declare in the name of Jesus that the people of Elevate Church are blessed people because they are obedient people. They're obedient to the things of God, to the voice of God. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, God, for your word, your strength, your hope, and your life. We worship you, we praise you, in Jesus, Jesus, mighty, mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. Can we get real loud for God's word?